welcome to the Love Positivism podcast. I'm your host, Shireen, and I'm the creator of Love Positivism. I'm here to help you on your spiritual and healing journey. I am a certified yoga and meditation teacher, a student of Chinese medicine, a doula, a Reiki practitioner, and a passionate, highly sensitive person. I want to use my knowledge to channel information and messages for you to grow on all levels. Hi and welcome to this week's episode. I hope that you've had a beautiful week with this full moon that we had and we're shifting so much right now since we have shifted seasons as well and I can really see that there's a major shift in nature now and this shifts us within our body, our emotions. So it's a really beautiful time. I love this season and this is very much a time of starting to go within and reflecting a little bit on everything that's been going on within ourselves throughout this transformative time and when it gets darker like it is now in the northern hemispheres we also have permission to step inwards and work a little bit more with our inner being and I I love this time of year so I hope you're enjoying that and thank you to everyone who's been listening to the podcast sharing it and leaving reviews I'm really grateful and if you haven't checked out my Instagram and Facebook page you can just search for it just type in love positivism and today I have the beautiful Katie Silcox who's so inspiring and I wanted her to come on and talk about Ayurveda since it's a a close sister science with yoga which I practice a lot so she's a New York Times best-selling author of the book Healthy Happy Sexy Ayurveda Wisdom for Modern Women and she's also founded the Shakti School which is a beautiful uh, online and offline school for women with different themes and and she has a actually a master's degree in Hinduism and Ayurveda sciences so she really knows what she's talking about and she's a teacher and mentor to women she's really here to awakening the inner divine feminine within us all so I really been inspired by her podcast uh, the Spot podcast that you can find and listen more to her and in this episode we talk about Ayurveda but also a lot of other things like nervous system healing having a highly sensitive um, trait uh, if you're a highly sensitive person you will definitely hear great insights about this and we talk about yoga and the history of yoga and also we get into trauma healing and healing the feminine body and she talks about her shakti school and if you enjoy this podcast please leave a review or just comment i'd really love to hear how every episode is helping you on your path it really means everything and that's why i'm doing this work so enjoy this week's episode hi katie welcome to the podcast 
Thank you. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for joining today. I'm so excited to have you here. And before we start, I always start by asking the question, how do you stay mindful and present in your life? Mm. Yeah, I think I think for me personally, um, mindfulness is not an option for me. It's a requirement. <laughs> mm. It has been the the medicine through which I've been able to really access a lot of insight and healing and in in what for me has been a pretty arduous journey of being a human. Um, mm. But but we can talk more about methodologies around that. But I would say mindfulness is really not optional at this point. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I'd love for you to share who you are. I've been following you and listening to your podcast, which I truly love for <laughs> a long time now. So I'm very inspired by you, your Uh, work everything that you're sharing it's so authentic and I love the uh, your aspect of of healing and of yeah everything that you do so I would love for you to start by sharing who you are and and yeah sure just what (laughs) what you're doing in the world right it's a big question um So, well, my name is Katie Silcox. I have been a student of Ayurveda, tantric philosophy, mindfulness, neuroscience, anything related to human potentiality and evolution and really what I call the lineage of love mm-hmm. since I was 18, 19 years old. And so that's over 20 years ago. And I, I spent as many of us have, have done in the, in the, in the spirituality community, I spent a lot of time studying yoga. And mm-hmm. what I found was that yoga wasn't healing all my problems. It, it, it wasn't giving me all the answers that I needed. And so I began to study Ayurveda. I got a master's degree in Hindu philosophy and I ended up writing a book called Healthy, Happy, Sexy, which was kind of like a, a, a modern gal's primer to the complexity and beautiful simplicity of Ayurvedic medicine and Ayurvedic lifestyle and really the humble process of learning how nature behaves and, and attempting to really do my best to align with the seasons and align with the seasons of my own life and align with the ever-changing seasons of my emotions. Mm-hmm. And so that book, I wrote it about six years ago. And, and now where I am, we have an online school called the Shakti School, and we train women in natural methodologies of self-empowerment. And that ranges from everything from our primary base, which is, of course, Ayurveda, but to everything related to emotional healing, trauma release methodologies, um, you know, on and on and on. And now what, where, where I am right now is really dedicated to learning the ways in which particularly the female body unravels past history and pain in order to really step into pleasure and authenticity. And really what I would say is the feeling of being safe and at home in her body. And that 
you know, can be anything, right? There's so many different ways of, of learning how that works. But my particular passion right now is the nervous system and how we can, that's really the root mother everything. If your nervous system is out of whack, it doesn't matter what herbs you take. It doesn't matter what, you know, foods you eat. It is the root of the problem and the root of the solution. Mm. So that's a small, <laughs> yeah. that's a small taste. <laughs> I have like a thousand questions now. <laughs> sure. Good. I love that. So, so yeah. the, the, Maybe we can start by by explaining a little bit shortly about sure. Ayurveda for those yeah. that might not know exactly what it is. Let's do that. So yeah. broadly speaking, Ayurveda means life wisdom, the way the 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 means by which life has chosen to express itself. And in nature, of course, through science and biology and all of the sciences really we understand that nature has fairly predictable patterns, although with global warming, that's shifting slightly, but there are nature has predictable patterns. And just like you, you and I have very predictable patterns. We know what it looks like to be a baby, a teenager, an adult, and an old person, like the, the, whether we like it or not, right? Eventually, mm. eventually these patterns are going to win. And so Ayurveda, broadly speaking, is just the, the flow of, of nature. And then uh, specifically speaking, Ayurveda is a uh, a form of holistic health that emerged, some say, five to 2,000 years ago in India, in the Indus Valley, and was really the first written history of humans' relationship to, to nature and really spirit. And so Ayurveda has this ancient tradition in India, but broadly speaking, it, it, it is the wisdom of mother nature in every tradition in mm. every country in every human body whether it be called ayurveda the tao the flow whatever we want to call this um you know good science is ayurveda that's mm. that's the the short definition i love that and i just uh, last week had an episode uh with uh uh, acupuncturist since I'm also mm. studying Chinese medicine and mm. yeah that's also the science of, of nature and exactly. understanding the macrocosm and the microcosm it's it's uh, it's so healing and it's so so great that it's emerging again mm. now mm -hmm. and so many more right. people are interested in that and right. how did your work I've been listening to you for years but how, mm. maybe you want to Talk about how you started working because Shakti school, that's like, it's so um, immersed in the feminine also mm -hmm. aspect, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm thinking about your work with the female health. Right. Uh, yeah. Why, why, why so much women? <laughs> yeah. Like, how did you yeah. get into that? Because oh my I, goodness. It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I wrote my second book is in the process right now. And um, it's really answers that question. So everyone hopefully can read this later. But yeah. my, my, my answer to the question today is I was so passionately involved in my yoga life, in my yoga practice, in my yoga career. I was a teacher. I traveled all over the globe mm -hmm. teaching 
what later I began to feel was a very male, and I use that word intentionally, a male dominated system inherited in a way that most people were unaware of through um, the male body for male in goals and primarily given to us by male teachers. And yet, as if we look at Europe and we look at the United States and we look at several other countries, statistically what we can see is that primarily these male-dominated systems were being practiced by women. Mm-hmm. And so I began to question that. I began to question and really start to get real about what was happening in my own body and why if I was doing one to two hours of intense mantras and yogic breath work and asanas, why did I feel that I was getting further and further from my goal of, of health and my goal of, of love and my goal of ease? Why was I getting further away the more I practiced? And it was a really big turning point in my life. And it was incredibly painful because I had built this huge ego identity and, and structure and even a business around being this thing Mm. that wasn't working for me anymore. And sometimes like dramatically not working for me. Mm. Um, and I talk about this in the book, the month I was on the cover of the yoga journal in Russia and headlining the yoga journal conference at Russia that month prior, I had been in the hospital with a with a nervous system basically my nervous system just collapsed and so it was this real reckoning of like what is going on deep within my psyche and deep within my body that's calling for help and i began to study with nervous system experts. I began to study with somatic experiencing therapists. I began to learn about the nature of attachment and trauma. And I began to just see that my little being was longing for good mothering and the feminine and the divine masculine as well. I needed to be loved and parented by myself in a way that simply meditating on a mantra or meditating on a chakra or meditating on silence, it wasn't healing the wounded part of me that needed the divine mother and the divine father and the love and compassion and really relational attachment with a teacher that had that capacity to be right? Like a loving presence in my life. And so, I mean, I I, obviously I've written a 500 page book about Mm -hmm. this so I could talk forever, but in short, and I began to see also Shireen that the way in which I was moving my body, even in yoga was not natural to my curvy, bootylicious feminine form that loves to, to be curvaceous and to move in circles and to dance intuitively. And, and this isn't to say that, you know, all yoga poses are bad or wrong, not at all. But the way that I was imposing upon my body began to be unbearable. And so it completely, you know, over the past five, six, seven years, I've been on that evolutionary journey. And when I began to speak honestly about it, what I found was like women all around me were just crying. Like, yes, I've been feeling this too. And I've been too scared to say anything. Yeah. So so here we are now. And I'm mm. certainly not the first woman in the yoga world to feel this way. Mm. That's for sure. There have been many other amazing teachers who are preaching the same gospel. Mm. 
Yeah, I can so much relate to that because mm. my practice has become much more softer and more mm. feminine, like so much more uh, since I started. And mm-hmm. it's... Um, we yeah we can't forget that the physical practice is uh, was basically a lot of uh, yeah masculine practices from the beginning this dynamic and straight and uh, very <laughs> like uh, linear type mm. of practice and mm. and that it's a beautiful thing to learn and then we can yeah. also adapt it and to yes. understand that uh, yeah, certain certain poses I can't do. It's it's just, it doesn't feel good for my body. So why right. should I? If it's good for someone else, it might not be good for me. So we have to really listen and not like force the body to do something that is unnatural. And then what is unnatural for the female body with the cycles is that exactly. we can't perform. Yeah, we can't perform and do the exact same thing. Mm. Even me as a teacher, mm-hmm. my teaching is very dependent on where I'm in the cycle. So I'm trying to do totally. things that are appropriate right then. And, and, and I, I want to be able to show what, mm. what, what I'm teaching. So I'm not uh, doing any poses that are not suitable for that uh, part of my cycle, wh- wh- whichever phase it is. And I'm super honest with, with the students that, okay, now I'm, in this stage and I I'm really gonna take it slow today or now I'm more energetic mm-hmm. so I think that's really being in touch with yourself exactly and, and it's not to say yeah that the feminine form I call the work that I do feminine form <sighs> the feminine form does not just lay around and you know do circular movements and look like a goddess dancing mm. you know on a hilltop no 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 sometimes my yoga practice looks like going on a run and punching the air with my fists and getting angry and like mm. dancing like a wild woman you know yeah. like you can also be fierce and ferocious and i think if anything yoga was too tame Mm-hmm. for what the wildness that needed to come out of my body mm-hmm. for so many women we've had our anger tamped down mm-hmm. and so to actually like let's go out in the woods and just like run around and like push our bodies into trees like let's do some push-ups like mm-hmm. let's <laughs> let's get fiery and then as you said when it's my menstrual time i do nothing at all i lay around like a fat cat and i love it <laughs> you know <laughs> i love that yeah it's so it's so important and i think what it's really so in in like you said for example when i'm teaching prenatal yoga like mm-hmm. we do things there that are crazy like like mm-hmm. really um screaming and, and yes. doing these voice practices <laughs> cool. that it, like it would be really really uh, like weird to do in a practice with yeah I don't know it wouldn't make sense we're, we're using them in Swedish we call it like the original power like urkraft it's like right. the the power of the earth because in birth Ooh, I love like, that word yeah, urkraft. It's like uh-huh. the, the it's like um, using the voice to channel that. So it's okay. really powerful. It's not like uh, a soft kitten. It's like really no. powerful. So yeah, I totally agree with that. And 
And also, I would love to hear uh, what type of, because the nervous system, yeah, it is mm-hmm. so important. And we work with that in, in yoga. We work with that in, in mm-hmm. these holistic practices. And mm-hmm. one thing that is so, one thing that I've noticed in myself is to have a very sensitive nervous system. Yes. Like that's, that's re- it can be really tough in out in the world so yes. maybe you can you can talk about your your story about that oh, yeah. we need to like have a whole yeah first of all <laughs> I am so happy to be speaking with someone from another country and just we you know we've been in lockdown all of us so it's nice just to hear your hear your ud like I love just being in connection with you and I feel Mm. this sense of family with all of the women and men all over the world that are that are sensitive you know and Mm. I think so many of us come to yoga and meditation because you know about 20% of the planet and there may be more now are highly sensitive people Mm. and in the ancient times we would have been revered as priestesses and oracles and preachers and you know like the sensitive plant listeners and like Mm. we would have been cared for in a different way than we are now and so much of our society is 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 really focused on the non-sensitive and so Mm. so the nervous system for a highly sensitive person is our greatest gift but it's also can be very challenging and what this is a very what I'm about to say, it's like a a new and slightly radical way of seeing our spiritual practice or our yoga. And that is yoga. And, you know, I talk about this in some of my other podcasts that most people are not aware that the asanas and many of the practices that we in the West have inherited, we think they they are these ancient Indian sacred spiritual things when really it's been this amalgamation of historical combinations from all over the world, particularly Europe and India, and the way in which Mm. particularly Northern European women influenced Mm. English army moves that were then taken through colonialization to India, where they were then mixed with more of the pranayamas and the mantras and the spiritual disciplines of what was called Hinduism, but really was called the Sanatana Dharma. Now I say all of this to say, please, those of you listening, don't think that just because you're in a yoga class, you're doing some 5,000 year old sacred practice. There are some aspects of yoga that that's why it's really important to have a teacher that comes from a deep and rich lineage. Mm -hmm. But on that point, in regard to the nervous system, what is not popular, and I've been, I'm not a very popular voice uh, some of the time because I am saying what I believe to be true about the historical legacy of the poses and some of the practices that we're imposing on women's bodies. If we look historically at where these poses, particularly the ones that are held for long periods of time and some of the more intense forms of breath work, we find it is historically shown that they come from the male bodies of ascetics who were living in caves and in the woods who wanted to suppress the sensory system. It was called pratyahara. Mm. And they would do that. And that has dramatic physiological effects on the body that over time ends up shutting down your circulatory system, your valve system, your brain, your spinal cord. Mm. And 
that most people aren't aware of that. Mm -hmm. And so what's, there's a great book on this. People can read uh, some of what I'm speaking of called the science of yoga. Mm -hmm. We think that the yoga is good for all bodies all the time, but what yoga actually is doing, it's lowering our blood pressure. It's lowering our metabolism and it's doing a lot of other things. Most women I know do not need their heart rate decreased. They do not need their blood pressure lowered. They do not need their body temperature decreased. And they certainly don't need their metabolism decreased. Mm. And that's what most of the yoga practiced in the West is doing to the physiological system. Now, if you want those scientific quote, benefits, do yoga. They're really great for men who are Mm. high blood pressure, you know, like (laughs) overdoing it. And so, but Mm. the women that I know, we need to wake up our Mm. blood pressure. We need to wake up our metabolism. And so I could go on and on and on about this, but I think it's why so many people in the yoga world have digestive problems. So, uh, so all this to say the nervous system actually oftentimes for many of the people that are already attracted to yoga, their nervous system may actually need to activate Mm -hmm. and not deactivate. In other words, upregulate and be comfortable with upregulation and be able to downregulate. And so it's, it's very complex and we could do a whole hour on like fight, flight, freeze and the dynamics of what practices, you know, kind of build or, or decrease these things, but in a, it's very complicated. And that's why we need to be working with teachers who understand the nervous system, who understand the female endocrinology, who understand the female psychology, especially those of us who've undergone traumatic events, which by the way, is one in every two women. Mm. So I, I think you can sense mm. my love and passion for this. Yeah. It's so so beautiful and yes i want to recommend your episode when you talk about the history Mm. also of yoga i listened to that one and Mm. like how it's there's a lot of misconceptions and um yeah this these things and also in particular the trauma aspect is is so important so big yeah it's so big i think uh yeah most of us have experienced something and then Mm -hmm. And and then that grows within us if we we like we're not aware of it, but it's something that right. sits there. So it's so uh, beautiful that you're working. You mentioned that in the beginning that you work with uh, also trauma healing in Shakti school. Maybe you can talk about that. Like what type of things yeah. do you do there? Absolutely. Mm. Um, well, first I want to say that we usually lay down these traumatic patterns in relationship, mm. and. Therefore, even if, even if it wasn't in trauma is healed in relationship. And so the idea of a yogi sitting alone on a mountaintop healing his trauma is not one that I've found to, I mean, of course we need, so we need both. We need to be able to self-regulate, which is the goal of yoga and meditation. And we need to be able to co-regulate. And that means being in relationship with someone else. But when it comes to early childhood trauma, most traumas lay down between the ages of zero and 14. That's when our brain, it's something in our brain called our nucleus bacillus. That's when all those patterns are formed. And so it's almost virtually impossible to heal patterns of early trauma through solitary pursuit. 
So at Shakti School, when I start, when we speak of these things that I taught yesterday on um, some of the methodologies that we use, I preface it all by saying it's so important to have support. And whether that be a trusted therapist or a friend, you know, for me, it's been having, having a therapist in my life. And I work in a modality. I worked with a woman called Alicia Farhado. She has something mm-hmm. called the Farhado method, working with the nervous system, which I could not recommend more. Mm-hmm. I work with, uh, I worked now, currently I'm working with a therapist in the field of somatic uh, release work. And um, we, we, we really encourage people to, if you are having, um, if you sense that you're just kind of never feeling good, the nervous system always is feeling like a little out of whack. Like I really recommend people working with someone one-on-one, but what we do do in Shakti school is I teach women how to meditate and be in their bodies in a way that's com- radically different from what I was ever taught in my own meditation and yogic studies. We do a lot of focus on the senses, on using the sense of touch, taste, smell, sight, on actually meditating outside of our body mm-hmm. before we just dive into our body, which can be a place of a lot of injury and insult and, and challenge. And so we learn how to go inside and outside. We also... Um, work with last night we did a whole thing on around parts work and so that's there's there's a great book called self therapy there's another book called parts work i don't know the the authors off the top of my head but your listeners if they're like oh my god this is so me i need to know more um, check out somatic experiencing. There's a book called waking the tiger, which I think should be on every single yogi's book list. There's another book called the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk. And I recommend these books to my students, but at the same time, there are things that we can do together in groups, um, of working with all these little different parts of ourselves that oftentimes are not the age that you are right now. They're a lot younger and, and they need and very much want to express and experience anger. They very much need and want to reveal fear and sadness. They need to have these expressions and they need to be attended to. And so this is sort of the method we use to meditate, right? We, we cultivate that sense of the wise woman, the wise witness, the good parent inside of ourselves. And that's who we become identified with. And then now that we have that anchor point of the wise woman, now we can start to interface with all these little parts of ourselves that feel really crappy that most people don't want to work with. Because as one of my teachers says, it feels like you're eating a shit sandwich, right? Mm -hmm. To go into these painful emotions. And let me just say one more thing about just going back to this overarching understanding of, of of the way we approach yoga and meditation. Mm. I, I hope all the listeners are hearing, I am not anti-yoga. I'm not anti-meditation. I'm merely suggesting that a lot of what we are experiencing as yoga practitioners in the West is what's called a top-down approach. I'm going to put my body into a position. I'm going to focus on evening out my breath. And I may even align my body in a way that the the top is going to tell the bottom what to do. And that's really good. We need to be able to have that executive functioning and prefrontal cortex online. But we also need to have a bottom up approach. So we don't tell the body to do anything. We don't put it in any position. We merely pay attention and let the body reveal to us 
what the medicine is. And the body will reveal movements, sensations, images, thoughts even, that will be medicine for us that the top-down approach could never have imagined. And so it's this difference between what I call masculine top-down versus feminine bottom-up. And just as the yin and yang Shiva Shakti symbology, we must have both. But most of us have only received one side. So we're a little bit atrophied on the other side. Mm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's really important. And um, I'm also thinking about just another thing that that you talk about and share a lot and it's uh, this path of love or bhakti mm-hmm. and uh, wh- what is that to you like- <laughs> yeah it's everything it's everything mm-hmm. you know and and you can hear and feel in me like I you know there's so much love but there's also a lot of fire and so it doesn't mean bhakti doesn't mean that we become this lovey-dovey doormat that mm-hmm. just you know, no matter what happens to her, she just stays in this passive loving state. I mean, as we're seeing in our world today, love can also be fierce, fierce, you know, and, and demanding changes and demanding justice, particularly I'm in the United States where, you know, for, for us, like the black community and those of us that support them are just like, this is enough, right? And this love flows through. And, so I all this to say what 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 it all comes down to in the end, and you can even see this like for me, I grew up Christian, I grew up Southern Baptist, like really, really hardcore christian and 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 now for me, what like i I've gone sort of off to the east and now coming back to the Western tradition of mystical Christianity and really trying to reweave and heal my original relationship to the divine, which came to me in this lifetime through the avatar of Jesus Christ, which I feel has been, you know, very much co-opted. But my point with all this is the word Christ means anointed one. It's the same with the Buddha. It's the same with all of these you know, so-called enlightened avatars. Their message is always the same and it's attention and love, attention and compassion. Oh, p- pay attention and bring in the s- sense of love. And that is the divine masculine and the divine feminine marriage. And so whatever is arising within the field of my experience, and let me tell you, like I have gone through every emotion, I hope that one person can experience from the depths of hell to the you know, heights of heaven and to be able to hold yourself within that with so much grace and kindness for me is the meaning of yoga and the meaning of practice and the meaning of enlightenment or what I like to call in the words of my friend, Jeff Brown, enheartenment. I'm, I'm not interested in leaving the planet. I'm interested in being in this body and talking to you, hopefully with some love and and just experiencing the way in which every moment of my life what what is the way in which I'm blocking love and what typically I find is that I am withholding love to myself Mm. it's really easy for me to love you (laughs) but do I love me and I think that's a really common theme especially amongst like spiritual people Mm. yeah Definitely. 
That's mm. beautiful. And I'm also curious about um, your, like, what is divine feminine Ayurveda? <laughs> mm, yeah. I, I think that, no, you know, all good medicine is divine feminine Ayurveda. I think mm. the reason we chose to speak about divine feminine is in no way to discount the desperate need we actually have for the divine masculine. Right. And so the divine feminine for me is the part that is in all of us that is so deeply connected to her intuitive power, to the power of living spirit inside of her and to the very natural um, biological superpower that women have. And it's not to say they always express it. And it's not to say men don't have this, but because of our unique physiology, women's have a shakti, a, a power of being able to birth things and to nurture the things that they birth and to give and give and give. Like we do it with our breasts when we feed babies. We do it on a subtle realm. Many of us do it just all the time. And we don't even realize that we're doing it. We are givers. We are nurturers. And that doesn't mean that there aren't women that are absolutely not like that. But usually that's because of of other reasons. But my point here is that our system and our society, it's like a fish swimming in a fishbowl. We don't realize what we're swimming in. Many people don't realize the superpower of the nurturing, loving, kind, giving aspect of the feminine, because it's just what we feel we always deserve. And what I'm encouraging myself and my students to do is to realize how we can turn that faucet that's normally pouring onto everybody else onto our own personal historical experience. And that I believe is what will enlighten us. Mm. That's beautiful. Mm. And I think one thing, it just came up now when you, when we started talking about the divine feminine, there has been um, like amongst us that are starting to, to talk about this more and more. There's uh, sometimes I see that there is a need to excuse ourselves <laughs> when we're yeah. talking about and saying, we have to say that, Oh, we, we, we honor the divine masculine, but the yeah. thing is, it's been so heavily, exactly focused we are already embodying the divine masculine every day because we live in a society that is so much in its divine masculine because we were in its masculine it may be it's It's toxic masculine exactly (laughs) there's a lot of toxicity but there's also like we we practice a lot that is really good too like having maybe certain type of structures and routines Mm. that are like linear and all of this this is great but the thing is we need to talk about it in this way now to to just awaken because i even for us it's like of course it should be like that we if to us we maybe we take it for granted but when we have this I, I remember posting about something mm. and I was talking about empaths and I was yeah. 
saying she she is like this she is mm-hmm. like that but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that it's only a woman but i'm trying right. to change the linguistics because yes. in swedish you we don't say one can feel like this we say man can feel like this. Wow. this is our language wow. we talk mm-hmm. like that so mm-hmm. that's why we're we're like trying to reprogram the language so for yes. me that was important to say it like she and not he because in my in this language that i'm talking every day we yeah. always say man is like this when man is hungry man does this so like that to me that's crazy but it's or we're talking about mankind so it's not even needed to excuse thank the you fact thank that you talk about. <laughs> thank you for giving permission around it because you yeah. know we you know i think and it's very similar like we live in a time where everyone's trying so hard at least in our world to do and say things the right way as to not hurt and do more harm and offend. And of course I'm one of those people, but at the same time, it's exactly what you're saying. You know, this has been atrophied. This part of our culture has been atrophied for so long that we should proudly stand up and say, you know what, Uh, there is an aspect of my being that does not work well with schedules that does not want to rely and this goes back to what makes our feminine form ayurvedic different mm-hmm. well i don't need to constantly rely on a food list mm-hmm. i don't need to rely on the rules and regulations the rules and regulations are meant to be guideposts so that you can access your intuitive earth-based knowing and if you lose yourself, as I, you know, studied with many masculine Ayurvedic teachers and masculine patterns, and the shadow side to that is it's just like allopathic medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here's the problem, here's the herb, here's the problem, here's the food list. Mm-hmm. No, did you just go through a heartbreak? Are you working through intergenerational trauma? What's going on in the greater field of the collective consciousness and the planet, And to really deny that field is to deny the feminine. And so what we're attempting to do at Shakti School is say, look, yes, let's eat a vata reducing food list. If it's, if it's, you know, the season of vata, that might be helpful, especially for beginner people. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, what is the, what is the depth fear that you're encountering right now. And I'm very loose in terms of the rules. Like my mom, and here's another great example of feminine form Ayurveda. Mm. I just went through a very painful past. I went through a very painful heartbreak the past Mm. few months. And I just let myself eat as much as I wanted, whatever I wanted all the time. And I knew I was feeding this really heartbroken little girl part of me. And then all of a sudden, this miraculous thing started to happen because I indulged that little girl. Now the little girl felt safe. She knew I wasn't going to deny her, put her on a diet or anything like that. Now the little girl was like, you know what? I feel like I really want some kitchery. And I just ate kitchery for three days. Then I went to my mom's house and my mom were Southern And my mom made me the most amazing Southern drop biscuits and sausage and eggs all made with lard, you know, butter. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh my God, my soul. It's my friend Yolanda was like, honey, that's soul food, right? And 
this was not ayurvedically appropriate right <laughs> it's like heavy and dense and it wasn't organic and the meat wasn't whatever and i mean i'm going to cry just talking like my mom made that for me when i was a little girl so that's feminine form medicine. And I slept like a baby and I woke mm. up and I had the best bowel movement. You know, it's mm. just, it's so much more complicated than, than a food list or an Ayurvedic rule. Yeah. That mother force is what was healing my heart. And that's what I want women to tap into. And, you know, we don't need to sit around eating shitty food all day, right? It's not mm. that we always give in to the indulgent little child, but it's that we have an awareness around the very real truth that during this lifetime, you're going to go through heartbreak and we need to soothe you in some way. Mm. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. That's mm. so important. And yeah, <laughs> it's so, it, it's all about feeling into the body and we yeah we just talked about this this weekend in in um, acupuncture school that uh, mm. it's n there's nothing that is bad and yeah. there's nothing that is only good it's all about finding the balance for you yeah. and, and yeah, lard exactly. is actually very good in chinese medicine but it doesn't yeah. have to go to excess it's like, yeah. it can be so nourishing it's a good type of fat in that modality Absolutely. which my teacher taught, taught us so so it's like mm -hmm. oh okay so cool. it's opening up a new new world to me as well right but yeah definitely but also uh, on the last thing i wanted to say about this topic as well is that it is uh, it, it is a divine feminine thing to to not want to uh, be overly like stepping uh, how, how do you say it like going over boundaries but but mm -hmm. the ba our boundaries have been overstepped for so long so <laughs> right. it's okay if we, yes. we step over Thank it's you. still a soft way to do it we're not yeah. doing anything crazy please yeah. let us just use divine feminine the please feminine body please womb, let us the womb, yeah. womb language like that, that it's fine well not... I, I think Shireen what's happening and we and we need to not be afraid of speaking about this is mm. because we're experiencing this very beautiful time in our world where gender is really up for question and we're beginning to see how fluid gender is and this is wonderful we're celebrating mm. this yeah. and a science supports this. Like the reality of our world is that there are all these differentiations in the way mother nature expresses herself. So mm -hmm. we can hold that and hold the beautiful kaleidoscope that is a human individual, right? Mm -hmm. Like one of my best, my best friend is a lesbian. The mm -hmm. testosterone in her blood, because we've measured it is way different than mine. I mean, mm -hmm. she, She's like an, she is an anomaly, right? She's on that spectrum. Now, that said, we also have bimorphous sexuality, meaning mother nature in the human body tends to reproduce through the male body and the female body. And that duality of the male body and the female body is most of the time what mother nature expresses. And so in that, our biophysiology is completely different than the male body. Our brains are different. The endocrine system, the chemistry of our bodies, 
creates a completely different version of reality to the extent whereby women who have testosterone therapy, if they're going through a sex change, will be the first to tell you they became macho jerks when they started taking Mm. testosterone. They would they wanted to yell at women. They wanted to stare at their bodies. Like these chemistries affect our reality. And so within that, to deny that is to continue to deny the feminine experience. And I, I cannot, like I must state that the woman's needs as a creator of babies and a nurturer of children and projects and energetics and a woman who goes through menstruation and menopause is a very different reality that for, as you said, so many thousands of years has been denied and negated. Now is the time when we actually have to say, yes, this is our reality. And we do have specific needs and desires because of that biology. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. That was great. <laughs> and I'm, I'm gonna... sure you'll get some hate mail because, you know, that we're living in a time where, you know, no one can really have their own opinion. But I think we have to push back against that. Mm. Yes, I so agree. Thank you so much. And I'm so grateful that you were here and, and shared all of this. I mean, I can talk to you forever. I know. We, and... should. we should talk another time, Shreen. <laughs> yes, we have so much. And is there any last thing you want to share about what's coming up now? What, oh, how, thank how you. can people work with you? Yeah. Yeah. That's so sweet of you. Yes. I would love for anyone listening, please join us in Shakti school. Our new year starts level one this January and mm-hmm. it's a year long program. We go into anything and everything a woman who is seeking her wholeness could ever want to learn. We have 20 different teachers from all over the world who are the most brilliant wise women. And that starts in January. And I'm sure we can put some links for you guys in the show notes to, to be a part of that course. And we also have a monthly subscription that's 18 bucks a month where for $18, you get to come into my house basically. Mm-hmm. And you get all of my meditations, all of my body movements, all of my just incredible recipes. And my, my sister is an Ayurvedic chef and we share new things every single month. And so if people are like, well, I don't know if I want to do that, you know, the, the full year of school, we have a monthly program that is really fun and it's called love fit. Mm. Yes. And I'm going to share all of those links in the show notes as well. I I really love everything you do and also want to recommend your podcast, the G spot. Yes. The G G G spot. Exactly. (laughs) It's a play on But I always, exactly. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Shereen. It's been just a total surprise and pleasure to speak with you today. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being here. I'm sending you so much love. Oh, I feel it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm so happy that you took your time to be here and I love this community. So if you want to get in touch with Katie, you can find all of her links in the show notes. And yeah, just let me know how this episode resonated with you. And I would love to hear from you what you would like to know more about so I can invite other beautiful guests on and Uh, yeah just spread the wisdom of all these amazing beings out there so let's close this episode with a deep breath in through the nose 
and exhale it out through the mouth. Namaste.